0: We are The Existentialists Four existential psychotherapists invite you to join us in a dialogue about what it means to live an existentially tuned life
1: Your hosts are
0: Xavier Williams, therapist in Vancouver, Canada.
2: Janelle Drizner, therapist in Edmonton, Canada. Chelsea Stanner, therapist in South Surrey, Canada.
1: And Mihaila Alounanou, therapist in Vancouver, Canada.
2: This episode was recorded on March 24th, 2020. In this episode, we use the phenomenological method called Personal Existential Analysis, or PEA, to explore COVID-19 by first discussing the facts and the reality of the virus, then sharing our impressions, what we understand and how we make sense of it, and then how we each would like to respond. As COVID research has progressed, we recognize that the reality of the situation, its facts and governing policies have also changed. We encourage you to notice the differences between now and then, and also reflect on how things have changed for you personally since the start of the pandemic. Thanks for listening and enjoy.
3: Welcome to our episode today. We are going to be talking about the coronavirus pandemic that has affected um, all of our communities. But first we would like to start with um, a check-in so that we can just kind of arrive here today, um, all of us together. Would anyone like to start?
0: how do huh, how do i find myself today what's occupying me today um a sleepless night uh, largely induced by stress related to coronavirus but not necessarily about the coronavirus um which is i suppose appropriate for for the podcast we're about to do at the same time i'm excited to to be here to talk about this and not just observe it from the internet or or, or what have you
1: I'm also excited to, to be here. And um, I, was, um, I was reflecting on my way here. That is, uh, I feel drawn to have a space to talk about uh, what occupies us with respect to to these times, to the pandemic. And um, because as Sav said, yeah, of course, I mean, what's on my mind um, is um, what's going on with us, not just necessarily with the virus per se, or even the illness that is causing, but how it impacts us as human beings living with each other, how our world will change as a result of this. And so I'm, I'm mostly excited about um, having the chance to have this dialogue with you today.
2: I've been thinking more, or at least confronting more space. Around me and and how I maintain and interact with my environment, so I've been spending a lot more time in my office because of COVID, and um, it certainly has been a creative space in the past. So I haven't really cared about where I leave paintbrushes and um, that I've got canvases all over the place and so on and so forth. But yesterday I just couldn't handle the mess anymore because I'm spending so much time in my <laughs> office and. And my desk wasn't facing a window, it was facing a wall, and I felt myself going a bit squirrely. So I spent a good chunk of time yesterday uh, re reworking it, organizing it, cleaning it, but then shifting all the furniture around and kind of redecorating. And wow, it has made such an amazing difference. So now I get to look outside and uh, there's snow on the ground, which is a pretty classic March springtime. So it's so nice to be able to kind of look outside, even though most of my time is spent within this these small four walls. So certainly have thought much more about my space this week.
3: What's been occupying me this week has, um, I think, largely been work. Just figuring out um how to move my practice online and um, all of the little details that that come with that um but one of the things that um i think i'm finding strange in this whole coronavirus process is um that i've been inside the walls of my house for now i think nine days and um It's weird to feel like a strong sense of normalcy, like nothing, nothing in my home is different or changed or um, feeling unusual. And yet in the news and online, there is so much information coming in all the time around what's going on outside. And yet when I look out the window, it looks like a bit normal I I would never mm-hmm. know that something is is going on I guess other than there's maybe a few less cars on the road and people walking around but from my window everything looks kind of normal so I feel like I'm a bit split between this sense of everything is really like normal and fine I've just had a week at home um, but then there's also this sense of urgency and maybe even I don't know, some stress too, just knowing that there is actually a lot going on. I just, I can't see it. It's not in my space. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, that's really quite interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That there's been so much change and yet there are these normal pieces Mm -hmm. in our life that still continue.
1: Yeah, I just um, uh, had a um, walk with my daughter last night and she spent the last week in the house because she was really trying hard <clears throat> sorry, to comply with the social isolation, distancing, you know, uh, directives and trying to be a very good citizen, even if she wasn't sick. But so we, she went out for the first time last night. We went for a walk and she, she said something very similar to what you said, Chelsea, it's like, Wow, this is so normal, and yet mm-hmm. everything that I read on Instagram and internet, social media um talking with friends it's so abnormal and it's so panicky and very disrupted when you talked about that i I remembered about our discussion last night like it's um it's deceptively normal and abnormal at the same time.
3: Mm-hmm. Mhm. Like it's a parallel process of everything feeling normal, but so much is actually going on.
1: Yeah, it's a bit you you use the word split or some or I heard it anyways, like it's almost like we
0: living in two realities.
3: Yeah, it feels eerie to me.
1: Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. I think eerie is a good word.
0: Yeah. The the city and downtown is mm-hmm. <clears throat> is um I think what i'm starting to describe as lifeless
1: mm-hmm.
0: um not entirely but but largely and even to the extent that looking out of my window um which kind of looks onto downtown um i notice that there are fewer lights on in the buildings in downtown presumably because nobody's working mm-hmm. and it's quite nice on the one hand because there's less ambient light but on the other hand it yeah, it's dark like it's 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 not it's not what I've come to expect when I look out. So, yeah, eerie, mm-hmm. strange.
2: Mm-hmm. I do think about the existence of our non human beings and what it's like for the animals and with a little less light or a little less human traffic around mm-hmm. through their own way of being in the world. How has it been for them?
0: Yeah. Uh, we were. Granville Island the other day and noticed that there were very very few seagulls because there were very very few humans yeah. to steal chips from
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh interesting mm-hmm. yeah but yeah there's definitely pictures right of um, Times Square and all these famous tourist sites just being completely abandoned and how strange and eerie it is to see these places without human life and and a rare opportunity we we wouldn't in basically any other situation see those kinds of places intact and abandoned like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that we are going to look at these uh, the photos or memories and probably down the road, we realize um, what an event this is, like um, the historical dimensions of this event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, um, my daughter started taking pictures of closed Starbucks last night. And initially was like, okay, that looks a bit weird. Like, why would you do that? But then, then she said, well, this will go down into history. And I was like, okay, that's grandiose, you know. Like, <laughs> but I guess on a certain level, I think we are going to look back at these pictures and, um, again, our own memories and with a sense of, okay, this was a, a historical interruption in our way of living?
2: Absolutely. And even just looking at the economic impact of it is going to have a years-long ripple effect.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And depending on how governments respond in you know, meeting the needs of their citizens, and we know that different governments are responding differently around the world, but that's certainly a concern. Um, what's this going to look like and how am I going to survive this recession and how much will I be impacted and my future plans have been upturned. So there's a lot up in the air right now in in terms of what this will mean, but certainly this will be a point in history, um, a notable point for sure. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, I was talking with my dad yesterday over FaceTime and he's an investment advisor um, and he was saying this was a A record-breaking drop in the market, a record-breaking move into a bear market versus a bull market. Um, Usually this happens over about 12 to 18 months or so when it switches over. Um, But this kind of switch from the bull to the bear market has happened in under a month's time, which has never happened before. Wow. Wow. Maybe we can kind of, for our audience, orient ourselves to the the reality of the situation right now in Vancouver, in Edmonton, in Canada, um, where we find ourselves currently with the coronavirus. I know that you um, you distributed for us some some facts yesterday that the government of Canada released, um, but maybe we should kind of anchor ourselves in in time and space a little bit and. And cover some of those those facts.
2: We like to start with the facts and the reality. That's where we begin, is is what what are the facts that are comprising our world or our lived experience right now? Let's start there and then shift into our subjective experience mm-hmm. of those givens and reality.
0: Mm-hmm uh right now in in BC at least so vancouver um we have 472 confirmed cases of uh of covid-19 i'm never sure quite what to refer to it. um uh that was as of yesterday mm-hmm. um uh, with 13 deaths which is uh sounds very little but is quite significant for certainly for those people that it affects more directly um and um uh, and of course worldwide the the numbers are uh are up in the 330 probably 350,000 by now of confirmed cases and 14 to 15,000 deaths um and that's a a large figure i would suggest yes. although worldwide it probably doesn't work out to that many per capita but just that just 15,000 sounds like a lot um the the other thing to i think to note and maybe then the think this is why it's always good to start with with facts with concrete with what is 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 because of the uh mass of varying information that that um uh Janelle and chelsea referred to that as far as i understand in in bc we we're not on lockdown yet mm-hmm. um and i read something from the premier who said that, um, quite wisely, I, th- I'd suggest that, uh, it's very easy to say we're going into lockdown. He said, but it's a very, it's a whole different thing to actually be able to enforce a lockdown and make sure that things are working, the things that need to work. And mm-hmm. so they're going, he said, they're going systematically through each industry to establish what they need to function and what they don't need to function. And as that happens, more and more of the lockdown will happen. Um, Although we could argue that in effect that we are in i don't know what eighty percent lockdown, ninety percent lockdown,
3: yeah, it feels quite high i mean i haven't I haven't left the house in eight days or nine mm-hmm. days now, so it's hard for me to know, but I know that people described um to me yesterday that there's um there's duct tape in the grocery stores that kind of mm-hmm. indicate what row you can stand in and how far apart. Mm-hmm. And there's a lineup outside because only 50 people are allowed in at once.
0: Yes, I can vouch mm-hmm. for that.
1: Mm-hmm. And these are very very obvious facts. We can all see them mm-hmm. and they impact us. But that would be the next, uh, the next step of our process. But yeah, there are things that we can notice that we can see that you know, they stand out to us, like um, the empty streets, the duct tape at the um, at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe we can quickly speak to the actual virus itself for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, coronavirus being a family of viruses, COVID-19 being the specific strain. Um, I I did enjoy reading some of the myths um, the World Health Organization has put out um, common misconceptions about COVID. And so one of them is that you can, you know, take antibiotics, which is not true. Antibiotics do not work with a virus. Um, and if you don't have the virus, it doesn't help to wear a mask. Masks don't cover, um, all the openings of your face. So how people contract it typically is that somebody who's infected with a virus will cough and those little droplets, um, pass through the air and then people absorb that through their gland like mucus glands like through their eyes nose mouth so it's more effective for somebody who has it to wear a mask so that that stops those droplets mm-hmm. um but the best way to avoid it and this is what social distancing is all about is first create space between you and people who are affected or who are affected and don't show symptoms and it takes around five days to show symptoms if you've contracted it. Um, And to wash your hands, sanitize, disinfect, do what you can to uh, maintain hygiene. And so this is why yesterday um, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau Posted something, I saw it on Instagram, probably posted it across different platforms, just really urging people to stay home. This is not the time for dinner parties. This is not the time for going out with your friends. We really want to, what the hashtag is, flatten the curve. And so essentially by people distancing themselves, they are flattening that curve of um, the spread so that we decrease how fast it spreads over a short period of time. So essentially that we don't tax our healthcare system so mm-hmm. that we can handle mm-hmm. cases as they come,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, in a more manageable way. Mm-hmm. And, and
0: indeed handle all the other regular things yeah. that people suffer from, which in some ways seem to have been forgotten.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, my client, one of my clients last week had a near death experience, mm-hmm. um, and, and, Pretty awful and, and they're okay, but certainly, you know, needed access to healthcare and uh, a bed in the ICU. So, and glad that it was there and available to her. But if it was a situation like people are experiencing, unfortunately, in Italy, there's been very serious consequences. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else we'd like to say about about the reality of what's going on or any maybe myths or misconceptions you guys have heard that you want to address?
0: I, I heard one, and this is maybe to inject, well, I, I hope a little bit of humor, but it's not entirely because um, it's quite serious. Um, there was a, a video doing the rounds by a, uh, a, a now disqualified doctor in the U.S., Who um, was, I wasn't going to say suggesting but he was stating that um, everything that's happening has nothing to do with the virus, um, but that um, it's because of um, 5G, the 5G networks electrifying the world. Um, Okay. And, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. indeed, um, so but, you, every, you know, everybody who's, uh, who's, who, who knows anything about the, the scientific process and, um, and is dealing with the actual situation has come out and completely condemned it mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and deconstructed it. And I even heard one, um, uh, one scientist say, he says, I don't even know how to argue against this guy. Mm-hmm. Like they, because mm-hmm. what he's saying is just so completely uh, or beyond rationality, um, but you know, in in a in a, a a space in which we are sitting in so much unknown, uh, people are going to come up mm-hmm. with stuff, bec- precisely because mm-hmm. we don't like being there.
1: And we try to make sense by pulling in the most irrational mm-hmm. pieces, just to to create a little story for ourselves that makes sense to us. Mm-hmm.
2: When there's a lot of uncertainty. Almost everything then can become a likelihood or an, a possible explanation. That's um, very well said. And I, I, thank you. I've had mm-hmm. some clients struggle with, you know, well, my friend is saying this and my friend is saying that, and and I've heard things like it's a government conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's a big one going around. Mm-hmm. And you know, so then we break down, you know, what would the government have to gain from this, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. But essentially, continually redirecting. Clients and people back to go to reliable sources. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Canada Health, World Health Organization, Center for Disease Control.
1: Mm-hmm. But I guess it's the uncertainty that obviously makes people mm, create those stories. But I also think it's the mistrust in the government that is coming through as well. And in general, like authorities and the, the information that is provided through those channels. Mm-hmm. And so that I guess that's also yeah, so it's the uncertainty combined is the mistrust in the information that we receive sometimes. And that I think speaks to a probably a deeper, more longstanding issue in our mm-hmm. societies, not just in North America, but obviously beyond.
0: Can
1: mm-hmm. people trust what are what the government says, what the mm-hmm. um, health authorities are saying, and if they cannot and they need to come up with conspiracy theories, what is that about? Is it just a personal issue, like paranoid people and stuff like that? Or does it reflect a, a more systemic issue mm-hmm. with how we live, the level of distrust in our society?
0: And that's, that's a whole episode, mm-hmm. at least. <laughs> just there.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know one of the things that I was thinking yesterday as it impacts my practice um, in working with a couple of individuals that um, have like suicide ideation and normally in doing a suicide risk assessment, um, you determine, okay, like at what point does this person need to go to the hospital or the emergency Mm -hmm. department and then with the current circumstances in our healthcare system right now, is that even a, a possibility mm-hmm. or what happens mm-hmm. when they get there? And um, and I, that was a bit of a question for me that I was chewing on yesterday of, okay, like, if this was a situation that I would have to deal with in my practice, um, what does that look like now in light of the coronavirus and COVID-19?
1: That's such a great question, Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Like the reality of our practices is changing, Mm -hmm. talking about reality, but now in our own kind of field of activity, right? Like it's, yeah, I would be very cautious to tell a client, yeah, just go to ER or to to even call the ambulance. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know what will happen there.
3: Yeah, because I know that there's stories right now of people being in, you know, the ER, and it's already a long wait, but to have kind of the chaos that is in there now, and even longer waits, and, and I don't even know if it would be possible for somebody to be seen there, like Zav, you mentioned, um, all the other things that people normally go to the hospital for, um, like what happens in those cases, which I'm sure that you know, those continue to go on all around us. We're just not hearing about them.
0: Indeed, in, indeed. And, and that, um, you know, so we've heard things about, you know, all, uh, uh, all non-critical, non-necessary surgeries have been stopped um, in certainly here, I imagine, in most places. Um, and um, uh, there's also this one of the things that that came up for for one of my clients was um f- believing or, or 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 worrying that she had you know covid-19 that she had been infected and because uh she had a a slight fever and she was having trouble breathing and everything and so she called the 811 line and um uh but as she was doing this recognized that what she was having was an anxiety attack mm mm-hmm. And and she said, as soon as she recognized what was going on, she said, well, of course, this was what it was. But because this is the only thing that's in any form of media, TV, radio, internet, social media, we've literally forgotten about everything else. Mm-hmm. And I think that that becomes incredibly overwhelming mm-hmm. for most people.
1: I think it, it shows how skewed our reality can be these days. Like mm-hmm. how incredibly small, narrow, which is a typical effect of anxiety. Like it seriously narrows. It narrows our yeah. reality. So um, COVID is the reality, mm-hmm. and I guess this is really um, relevant for what we talk about the reality and facts that it takes over. That it is, uh, it's hard to see other relevant pieces of reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they are still there. They still aware. exist. But you have this kind of tunnel, narrow vision mm-hmm. of reality.
3: Let's let's move into our own experience of of what is happening. Our impressions. That's kind of the next stage of the process after we look at the facts. Is how does this impress upon me or mm-hmm. or touch me personally? Um, what, what am I feeling in this?
1: Uh, for me, it's a sense of loss, loss of a word of a world, loss of a way of being, the fact that what I just mentioned, like the narrowing of the reality and losing, uh, losing sight or losing touch with other relevant aspects of reality, is, um, creates a sense of loss. Also, a loss of the world as I knew it, as mm-hmm. I imagine that it could be or that it will be so that's yeah. definitely very has been very acute for me.
2: Mm-hmm. I know for me, I feel a narrowing or um suffocation, just as a reality of of freedom being restricted and rightfully so it, with social distancing. Mm-hmm um but also you know just how valuable it was for me to get up in the morning get ready get in my car and and move to experience movement and it's been difficult for me to change the way i move and to really think about that take that into consideration so especially also suffocating from uh, it's everywhere. It's all over. It's in the social media. It's what everybody's talking about right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that loss of other aspects of reality, just being inundated constantly with this mm-hmm. uh, thing that's on our doorstep.
0: Yeah. I've had um, similar emotions, but but varying um, uh, feelings and impressions um, since let's say the beginning of last week is really when it started to get mm. very serious here or at least be taken this very seriously here. And, uh, my initial reaction was, okay, I'm pretty good in crisis. Um, I have a job to do. Um, uh, I discovered that, um, that, uh, I, we're considered an essential service, mm-hmm. um, which has a, some implications. Um, and, and this it, to some extent energized me to go, I can take the strain I have enough to 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 give um and then, as the days went by, that still existed when when I was actually seeing clients and and doing things but then when I was just by myself walking through the city or when I was sitting home late at night and watching the city, that's really when mm-hmm. when more of the sadness um uh kind of came in the uh, uh loss for sure, but this kind of, uh, uh, a, a lament, mm-hmm. uh, 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 even though I know that it'll end eventually because everything it does. Um, but very much this, this doesn't feel nice. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I really don't like it. Um, and as well as all the various restrictions on freedom that Janelle was mentioning. Um, Activity. I'm 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 an outdoor person. I I cycle and I run and I swim and play water polo and um, yeah, any number of other things. And which was also part of my socializing. And that's been missing. And it's my stress relief. And so stress has been a big, a big, big impact. And you know, it's 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 not too difficult to keep going. I'd say to endure as uh, I think Janelle, you, you used the, that, that, word. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not fun. Mm-hmm. It, it's not fun at all.
3: I also feel the, the loss too. I remember when the first bit of my plans got canceled because of this, understandably so, but I felt angry, like, okay, mm-hmm. this, yeah okay fine something's taken away from my schedule Mm -hmm. that i was looking forward to but then as Mm, that happened over and over and over and over again um now there's there's not much left in there the the slate of my schedule the next several months is is wiped clean and i'm i'm feeling the loss of um of those plans disappearing and especially as um summer is coming i I really enjoy the outdoors and the weather and um being able to experience that and just just curious how how that will look and I don't know if I'm preemptively feeling the loss, but it will be different this summer will be different than others um and I feel sad about that um I feel
2: mm-hmm. like it's, yeah, it's, it's a loss for me. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that loss. And then I, I've also felt, I don't know if comfort would be the right word, but this sense of um, being in it with everyone else. Like it's not just my schedule that's been wiped. Mm-hmm. It's everybody's
3: schedule.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, So that almost, you know, FOMO, like fear of missing out. It's like, we're all missing out. We're all missing out together. Yes. Um, you know, but, you know, and then it does really make me consider, I think the I've been feeling or coming close to my privilege mm-hmm. of my health, for example, that there are people who their schedules get wiped clean because they're going through chemo mm-hmm. and they, they have to be inside. Um, many people who have these limitations that feel them alone, and so the feeling of, okay, this isn't just happening to me, it's it's a shared collective experience. Mm-hmm. And then I also feel personal privilege, and I've been grappling with this, of, you know, like, we're not in this tiny apartment with many other family members. Um, I I don't have kids, and for me, I quite enjoyed having silence, whereas I know that that's been hard for parents, is all day, every day. Um you know, with their kids not going to school, not having as much space. I don't have to deal with that. Mm. Um, so just feeling my position is like, well, actually I'm healthy and I, I have, I'm an introvert. I have all the things that I love are <laughs> in my house, like books <laughs> and painting and, you know, video games and things like that. So yeah, I feel um, and then I think about certain clients, right, who are uh, suffering from domestic violence and yes. mm-hmm. are stuck in their homes with danger constantly, with threat constantly. It, so it's been, it's, I've been struggling with that, struggling with that.
1: Yeah. And talking about that, I've been um, so um, moved and heartbroken when I walked downtown a few days ago and I really, um, I saw, I felt that I saw for the first time so vividly, so clearly what I haven't seen so clearly before, but I'm sure it was always there, like the homeless people mm-hmm. at the, every corner because now there are, there is not this crowd like walking fast past them, right? And they were just there, kind of like the the remnants of our world. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about them, they don't have a house to isolate in. I mean... We are complaining myself included that it's a small space. I live in a small apartment with several family members and all that. But think about privilege, even that uh, I thought of myself as terribly privileged. Like having a house, even as tiny as it is, but those people on the streets and um, with nobody cleaning around them anymore. Like it was Sunday too, right? So maybe mm-hmm. it was because of that. But it was really a very desolating image and made me feel quite guilty about mm-hmm. my own privilege. Mm-hmm. Like health-wise, having a, an apartment, even if it's only 600 square feet, but still there is a place where I can go and feel safe. And these people have nothing. Mm-hmm. So that was very disturbing.
3: It's very, very sobering.
1: Yeah, I think sober sober, and eerie were the words that kind of will capture my experience these days. About describing what's going on. Yeah. And then more, I must say, like um, not that I I want to see the silver lining or anything like that because I'm really not interested at all in positivity <laughs> and silver lining. <laughs> not at all. But like I was thinking like more like um the past few nights, like um I was also kind of by myself, like looking around and even walking in my neighborhood. And I was like, I didn't feel comfort, but I felt this kind of drawn to to myself more and to reorienting and reevaluating some of my how I live. So I um, I kind of turned kind of towards this question like, okay, so did I really like my life before? So I feel this loss, right? But was this really um a good way of living what does this experience of um, having a not so busy schedule what does it mean to me what can Mm. I reflect on and really starting I noticed in myself a process of re-evaluating how I how I do my job how I live my life now that there is a little bit more space so I had a feeling of strange like you know Almost like feeling drawn or excited. Oh, I can do this process. I can, mm. I have space. Talking about space, Janelle, you said that in your checking, like, but the inner space to kind of reflect what is really important. And in spite of this loss of the world and the way of living, is it something good in the fact that I release some of that way of being?
2: Mm.
1: Like for myself, like just to give a bit more context, I tend to be quite busy, and <laughs> to...
2: <laughs> that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. So, like,
1: I was, I was thinking, yeah, well, maybe it's, it's good that I, I have these empty spaces in my in my schedule to kind of reflect. Do I really need to do that much? Yeah. Is it really what I I like to do? Mm. So these are kind of some unexpected. No questions. And so I, I feel that the new process is kind of set in. And a little bit like you said, Sav, about you do well in crisis. I think mm-hmm. I also tend to do well in crisis. And usually it, um, there is some element of creativity mm-hmm.
0: that, yes.
1: that kicks in, which <clears throat> is almost exciting. Yes. Not to say that this is an exciting time because that would be horrible, but there is is the response to it, like the experience of it is mm-hmm. like, oh, but that is shaking
0: yeah, it's, it's it's dynamic.
1: It's dynamic. It's yes. dynamic.
0: It, it it's very dynamic, and 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 it requires um, uh, certainly for for me and uh, as an extrovert, um, mm-hmm. in contrast to <clears throat> to what Janelle was saying, um, it creates energy in me. Mm-hmm. It, it it makes my mind leap um, mm-hmm. in, in ways that it maybe doesn't on an ordinary day or in a a, a dull day. Um, but typically, what happens in a crisis is that The crisis ends and, um, and typically crises as far as they have been so far have ended uh, relatively quickly, you know, whether it's a a fire in uh, say a building or a a suicidal client or, 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 or or my son who sliced his leg open, you know, it ended very quickly, quickly, but this is enduring. This is Mm -hmm. today and tomorrow and Mm -hmm. the next day and the next day. And we have no idea how far it's going to go. And, and like we're seeing with uh, many of the doctors and nurses and other um, uh, professionals trying to manage the whole thing, um, who are, who must be at the point of burnout already.
3: Mm -hmm. I
0: think a lot of the general populace is going to, is going to start feeling that right in in terms of having the amount of energy it requires to to remain civil and tolerant of your spouse in your small apartment mm-hmm. or to 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 eat the same meal for the next you know month or so mm-hmm. because you know grocery stores don't have everything all these things are going to going to contribute okay. and so there's lots of things that that I think that that, that people can do to 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 help stave that off
2: and I work with uh, quite a few clients who've suffered trauma from war. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, some of my clients, you know, said, well, this is kind of no big deal. You're not worrying about your house being there, or not being there, constant threat from the sky um, and on the ground. Uh, but now there's a bit of a shift in terms of as, as this endures longer, there, there is that feeling of entrapment mm. in one's house. And and that certainly has been triggering, and I think will continue to be very triggering for people who, especially, have had these very devastating and real experiences yes. of being trapped within their homes uh, before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it it is really this this virus is really highlighting um, mm-hmm. these re- uh, incredibly. Devastating experiences for people, um, oppression, privilege, Mm -hmm. so many social questions that have always been in conversation, but it's really bringing a lot of them to the fore now.
0: Yeah, a lot of magnification of them, yeah, for sure. Janelle, you used the word imprisonment almost. Entrapment. Entrapment, Mm -hmm. that's one, yeah. Mm -hmm. I interpreted it as imprisonment, but Mm -hmm. um, effectively the same Mm -hmm. thing. Um, and it, it may be skipping ahead here now in in our process, but, uh, it brought me back to, to Viktor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning and being in the Mm -hmm. concentration camp. And I'm, I've got to imagine that there were days where they never thought that he never thought that he would get out Mm -hmm. ever,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: ever, 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 whether he would die there or whether he would just suffer there for. Days and weeks. I I I can't remember how long he was personally in it. Um, I know my own grandfather was uh, uh, in a prison of war camp for five years. Mm -hmm. That's a long time to be in one place and have all your Mm -hmm. liberty restricted. And and yet, we are kind of here today Mm -hmm. as a result of that. Mm -hmm. Right, as a result of not Viktor Frankl only, but in large part Mm -hmm. to to his experience and how he how he, he got through that, the kind of the, um, the way he, he bent his mind, I would suggest mm-hmm. in order to, mm-hmm. to, to escape whilst being inside.
1: And really stretched, um, all the capabilities of the human being and how mm. he would call it the defiance of the human spirit in front of adversity. Okay. And, and, and for me, like, um, but I was thinking, like, yeah, the entrapment, imprisonment, our life, the crisis will become a, a new normal. Like, it wouldn't feel like a crisis, like, because of this enduring, long lasting aspect. And then, something that um, kind of I wonder about is, like, how are you going to emerge from this? Mm-hmm. I don't think going back is an option. Like, usually it's not an option after a crisis, like, mm-hmm. to go back to how it was before. Mm-hmm. So I kind of sometimes wonder, how are we going to be with each other, with ourselves after all this?
3: Yes, what will the lasting effects be? What will emerge from this? How will we be changed from this? What gets left behind? And then what is the new kind of birth Mm -hmm. that comes out of this too? Should we move into our understanding of
1: mm-hmm.
3: of what is going on around us and our experience?
1: Mm-hmm. You mean how do do we understand this? Because we we share experiences based mm-hmm. on the facts that we know. But now, like um, if we let it, you know, distill a bit, and we stay with it, what is um, what is this for me? like in the it is essential kind of elements like what is at the core of this for me for us mm-hmm. I think for, for me it's um this virus is almost like a mirror like that um, um shows us in a very unflattering way our ways and how we live and how um, the imperfections of our ways but also the the good things about um Doing life together.
3: It's a really, really powerful image being in front of a mirror. Um,
1: mm-hmm. And it's yeah. very, as I said, very unflattering. I mean, it really <laughs> shows us to ourselves pretty naked with all the imperfections.
2: Yeah. And it's not like unflattering because it's a fun house mirror and it's distorting mm-hmm. reality. It's, it's like super reality. It's yes. totally stripping all the illusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hyper reality.
0: Yes pick up on your illusion it sh- it's shattering the illusion yeah yeah
2: for, for me this virus certainly speaks to us being an animal body like that we have mm. a humanness of vulnerability to being sick which many of us are aware of and we get colds we get flus and some people have autoimmune disorders that they deal with and some people have had cancer and what have you. So of course, not all of us go on living unaware, but, but I think certainly in a capitalistic, um, in our Canadian society, we can take for granted that life will continue, that we can be productive always, that we can always generate, um, our dreams, hopes, and desires without limitations. And certainly our, it like advanced, advancing technology helps us overcome limitations that people in the past had to deal with, um, that we don't have to as much anymore. But this virus highlights that we are still human and mm-hmm. we are still in relationship with nature at the mercy of it. And for me, it's not scary. It's humbling. Mm-hmm. And 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 it actually has reflected my own inner process of going through this journey of embodiment, being a pretty intellectually oriented person Mm -hmm. and trying to experience my life through the feelings in my body more so than my interpretations of it. So this has been quite a significant invitation to continue in that work. Um, in a way that actually other people I think are, are joining in who may not have, may not, maybe wouldn't have before. Mm-hmm. I think for
3: me, it's really, um, it's really shown where in life, maybe I've taken things for granted or the, the patterns or habits that I've had um, that I just do with not a lot of thought or or a bit mindlessly um i was i came across a quote yesterday by um a vietnamese monk um i'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong but um Nhat nyat harn and he said when we're having a toothache we know that not having a toothache is a wonderful thing yet we don't have a toothache Yet, when we don't have a toothache, we're still not happy. A non-toothache is very pleasant. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, like, in being in this, um, in the hold of the virus and how it's impacted everyone, we're very, very aware of of what life used to be um, and things maybe that that I took for granted, like even walking close with somebody on the sidewalk um, as I walk my dog versus, okay, now there's two meters distance between us. Um, and maybe those are moments in the future that, that I can enjoy. Like, what is it like to walk closely with somebody? Um, and, and I haven't been paying attention to that.
0: mm-hmm I, I suppose what this all does for me with the way i I see it as it's um I share many of many of the things that that all three of you have said um but for me what what really comes home is is the um what what many existentialists will call the absurdity of of our situation of life essentially um, that you know we are these kind of mortal fallible frankly, physically pathetic in the animal kingdom, mm-hmm. humans, um, who are, I not know, at least in my mind here by some accident. Um, and, and we will all end, die at mm-hmm. a time, not of our choosing, well, uh, save for some of us. Um, and, and then that brings into perspective, at least for me, uh, on a personal level, what it is that i'm doing here you know mm. if this is the case if if this is a whole situation is absurd if i could die at any moment well what am i doing what do i want to do how do i want to live my life um and then on a on a greater kind of macro level um it brings ideas and thoughts and creativity um about how how do how do i want to, how would i like probably a better way of putting it um, to organize the world or the society or just my city, or even just my, just my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which is probably all I really have power over. And yeah. even then,
1: exactly. You know, it's I'm limited. A, no, I'm a, a
0: four year old. <laughs> you don't organize much, um, uh, strangely enough, for 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 me, and I think not so much strangely for me, but strangely for a lot of people, maybe for, particularly for people who are not well versed in in existential kind of ideas, um, that absurdity actually brings me comfort. Like I'm, hmm. it, it it makes me go, okay, this is in some ways all a bit of a joke, <laughs> on our uh, um, uh, at our expense. Mm-hmm. So, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I can laugh.
2: What are you going to do now?
0: <laughs>
2: it's an excellent segue.
0: What am mm-hmm. I going to do now? Well, this is a good question. Well, this podcast is one thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's spurred me and us. I would, if I'm mm-hmm. not speaking for the three of you as well, um, uh, on. Uh, kind of hurried us along a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, it stimulated some creative thoughts and, and even m- helped me confront some anxieties about that creativity in terms of writing and and producing uh, stuff, producing Instagram posts, and uh, maybe even I'm threatening here uh, a book, mm-hmm. maybe of some some point. Um, wow.
1: And some research too.
0: No. no one likes research (laughs) (laughs) Um, but but yeah and then and then also you know on a personal level it it, on a very personal intimate level which uh, it it has spurred me to to um to re-examine um uh, uh, who i want to be and and if i can live the life that i the I can, if i can really be the person in the world that i am inside but in a more um in a in a more open and a more uh, and a less guarded way
1: mm-hmm. yeah you, you brought so so much to our um, attention here like starting with like like um like profound existential themes of like absurdity and death and how to our attitude towards death and like if um, if you take it as a, a joke like in an absurd way like obviously that will significantly change how we relate to death rather than being completely um, you know choked by the possibility but other to to unleash some creativity and some response and um talking about what to do and what um, what does the situation invite us or Um, calls us to do or to act in the world for me something that um, comes to mind or the the calling that I'm hearing is more around um, and it may sound a bit strange but it's more around the lines of uh, I want to strive to uh, remain and become even a human being more of a human being not to act my humanity and by that i mean like i very simple things like i i notice that uh, of course we avoid each other on the streets and we keep the distance and i notice people like um, crossing on the other sidewalk and i walk and all that i hope for for myself and for everyone that even in in the midst of the social distancing we can at least make eye contact with each other we don't run away completely from each other I mean I it was strange to see that people not only cross on the other sidewalk but even if they they are they stay on the same sidewalk they immediately look down and look away from from each other which which I found very very sad so in that sense I I hope to to embody and to to strive to remain a human being to to foster those moments of humanity and encounter. And um, I think it can be in very, very little things. How we walk on the sidewalk, where is the social distancing and, and all, all that. How we can still greet each other, look at each other, and even meet one-on-one. I mean, I, I know that that probably goes against the uh, regulations, but even defining some of these regulations and using our own... I mean, what is good in this situation? Like, it's... Um, that, that was, I, I hope for myself, that I will um, maintain my humanity and the freedom in that, the freedom to respond, even if that means to to respond in a creative way that is not necessarily as I should, but in a responsible way.
3: Mm.
1: And I think, like, holding on to, to our humanity and not becoming, like... A, you know, not seeing the other person as a virus carrier, mm-hmm. but still as a person. And if they, even if they are sick, turning towards them, even more so. So that's um, that's what I'm, um, and I try to do this with my clients. I mean, I have very few clients who still would like to come in person, and I, I feel the dilemma, and I feel the struggle within me, and not just for myself, but what does it mean to them, to the community and all that. And I also feel like oh, there is something profoundly human about that. And are we going to all avoid each other? Anyway, so that's where I am right now.
2: I love that. Really seeing the humanity in people and not seeing them as virus carriers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um For me, I was reading Albert Camus' The Plague, and one quote is, the frantic desire for life that thrives in the heart of every great calamity. And I think I felt that that um, potential or possibility for creativity, for something generative to occur in this gestational period in this incubator that I'm now sitting in and how to be in flow and how to still, I talked about in the beginning, move, but maybe move in a different way. And there is so much movement for me with creativity. So trying to look at this as an opportunity for sinking into that energy of my life and letting it flow, because I certainly feel that desire for life, um, especially now that other parts of our lives have shut down.
3: And I think that's how I'd like to respond. I think for me, my my response is a little bit different. I really appreciate the, the creativity and how it's drawing um, you guys to to generate something and to have something emerge from it but for me my sense is is different that I'm actually needing to sink into the shutdown a little bit more I think it's a a marker of um, my life having been far far too busy um, before all of this and there really just not being enough time to to sit quietly, to reflect, to even really kind of ask the question of, you know, how how is my day today? Um, how am I doing um, instead of just kind of going on to one thing after the other? Um, for me, I, I feel like this is an opportunity to, um, if I'm gonna reference the, the quote I brought up earlier, to notice those times where the toothache isn't there um, and to really revel in that and savor it um, and to create more spaciousness in my life.
1: Yeah, I really resonate with you, Chelsea. I mean, I feel the, as I mentioned mm-hmm. before, the creative vibe kind of be me and the um, excitement for new possibilities that are created by this. Shutdown of the other parts of my life. At the same time, what you said touches me very personally because I also, as I said, too, like I tend to be very busy. And leaning into the shutdown would be, I feel that it will be good for me. So after hearing you talking about that, I feel that I, for me, I feel also the call to strike a balance, perhaps, between leaning into the shutdown and... Okay, so one of my colleagues, podcast colleagues, is laughing right now. So now that gives us a way that there are at least two people in the same room, but not 50, so we are 10. But we were talking before um, we started the podcast about our astrological science and all that. And as a Libra, I strive to achieve balance without <laughs> ever achieving it. So maybe, maybe the COVID is an invitation To achieve balance between leaning into the shutting down and leaping into creativity and doing more. This is your time to shine. I love how
3: it came full circle to
2: our earlier discussion on astrology. And then this is where our our listeners are like tapping out. Like, okay, see you.
0: You you guys don't even know how long I was laughing for. (laughs) (laughs) I had my thing on mute.
1: Sorry to break yeah. the moment. Yeah. No, that uh, I think that laughing is also good. I mm-hmm. feel I also feel called to laugh and to bring some humor. Like you, you brought the mm-hmm. absurdity, the joke. Yeah, stuff. indeed. So laughing is mm-hmm. part of it. It's a response. Oh man, I have
2: been laughing so hard on Instagram <laughs> at the memes and the videos people have been oh. posting, just totally reflecting. What is going on right now? And I love, I always give see so much joy and hope. Like, people are hilarious. They're just yeah, funny. Leave people oh, at home long so enough with
3: not much to do. And there's certainly entertainment coming.
1: As, as we feel like creativity, mm-hmm. people will come up with something, at least some people. And I know that some also are missing the structures and everything that the rhythms and all that. So mm-hmm. I always want to be mindful of those. But for some people, Losing those structures and routines means that they have time to generate. Well, and
2: and Mm -hmm. boredom, I mean, so many people Mm -hmm. hate boredom, but boredom, it can be a wonderful invitation opportunity to be creative. Like if you can sink into that, (laughs) oh, I'm so bored. Just wait. Mm -hmm. What will emerge? That's quite Mm -hmm. fascinating. If we don't have enough space or time in our lives, there we may not be an opportunity to really see what what yeah, can come if we, out. If what we can act come on up. the
3: boredom too quickly or we push away from it because it doesn't feel good, we may miss what is there and what can happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. The boredom is uh, our uh, way to be existentially attuned. Like really, mm-hmm. without boredom, I don't think there is an um, mm-hmm. existentially attuned life. It's just mm-hmm. a life full of structure and routine. You
0: just have to sit there and be mm-hmm. and exist.
2: Now that's a good challenge to people because certainly more than anything, there is a ton of technology that serves as distraction, that that mm-hmm. is designed to prevent boredom from ever occurring.
0: Indeed.
1: Which means that we kill creativity pretty much in one strike. Kill boredom, kill creativity, wow. kill freedom. Wow. There we go. Okay. And I guess this is why this virus is showing us how much we kind of destroyed or kept under wraps like in our lives by providing those illusory structures and routine and rhythms and Mm -hmm. everything is under control. Well, it's not. And it has never been. And it will never be.
0: I feel like, you're you're assuming my role here.
1: Oh, well, it's hard not to be uh, (laughs) contaminated. (laughs) No pun intended.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: And on that
3: note, uh, on that note, uh, we'll end today with our existential question for you to sit with in your boredom um, and see what emerges from it. Um, So our question for you is... What do you fear the most in this situation? And to just sit with that question and allow yourself to to really lean into it and to ask um, how it is to be in this and, and what do you fear in it? We'll see you next time.
0: Follow us on Instagram at existentialistpodcast and let us know your answer to today's existential question. To learn more about us, listen to and learn about other episodes, visit our website at existentialistpodcast.com.